Hello! Sports, Will. Sports are back, kind of. Hello kind of. and welcome back! Back. <laughs> to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Thursday. Draft day. April 23rd. The year is 2020. And like Kevin Costner, we are starring in a draft day. Mm. Cannot wait. Haven't seen the movie, so I can't make any references, but ooh, I cannot wait for... This is live sports, right? This counts as live sports. I'm calling it live sports today. It is. I don't know if I said my name. My name's Will Hunter. I'm joined by my co-host, the one, the only, the Hi. ready to yes. boo the hell out of Roger Goodell in his basement, Matt yes. Sheehan. Yes. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> I am honestly treating today... Like the the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament. Oh, by I the feel, time, yeah, hundred. I feel exactly the same. Exactly the same. Oh, by the time you're listening to this, I'm already three <laughs> beers deep. It, it's great. I this is going to be an electric <laughs> night coming up. I am so ready to see how weird it's going to be on TV. Mm. That's all. I'm like Mel Kiper in his home in his basement. I'm imagining, or you know, maybe they bring people in studio. I don't even know what they're gonna do, man. I'm no, so excited. No, no, who knows? And the GMs too. I, a majority oh, of them yeah. are in the fifty and up club. I've done enough Zoom calls with family and friends <laughs> that are fifty and up to know that a, a draft. Well, we're, we're gonna have a little bit of kinks here and there, but uh, hey, <laughs> I cannot wait for it. The um, the front offices with the big nerd department are going to be thriving, Matt. Uh, they are time. ready for big this. Big time. Absolutely. This this is quite literally their Super Bowl coming up. Yes. Um, we're Yeah, we're super excited. The NFL draft's coming up. We are going to talk today segments two and three. Well, the yeah, the back end of segment one, mainly segments two and three. We have Andrew Harbaugh from Coast to Coast Scouting who is going to join us to talk about Uh, A bunch of Michigan State prospects give us his ranking, how it compares to, um, you know, the consensus. And you're going to get the idea that this draft, a lot of people are like, well, it could be this, but it could also like there's a lot of misinformation. And with the pandemic, it's it's weird. The draft stocks are all over the place. Meetings didn't happen. Workouts didn't happen. Pro days didn't happen. Matt, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. I, I can't wait for this. I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll say it a thousand more times. I just can't wait for it. Um, it's going to be enjoyable. So we'll do that segments two and three. We're gonna start the show by talking about Michigan State's latest commitment, Pierre Brooks, on the basketball side of things. We talked about him a little bit yesterday. With Dave Klein, if you want to go back and check out that, you can get his uh, you know in-depth breakdown of what we're going to see from Pierre Brooks. You and I wanted to kind of talk about his recruitment philosophically uh, as well, uh, so we're going to do that. And I also have something that I noticed that I think is pretty funny. Got to call some people out, Matt. Oh, um, wow. oh no! Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's the plan for today's show. Reminded to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked On Spartans wherever you get your podcast. We do this every single day, five days a week, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Nice. Nice. Nailed it. And I will be on Potapalooza, as I have told you how many times, Matt? Like 600,000? Just a little less, yes, but in that ballpark. <laughs> um, Potapalooza. You can go to potapalooza.org, April 25th and 26th, a two-day virtual podcast festival to benefit people negatively affected by COVID-19. 
Um, I will eventually tweet something out, but man, there's a lot of people doing things, um, the entire spectrum, like of everything, all sorts of sports, talk, politics, news, music, comedy, like there's all sorts of options, anything you could want. Check it out. Potapalooza.org. All right, Matt, are you ready? Nice. Uh, Never more ready for anything, Will. Fantastic. Pierre Brooks. Pierre Brooks. On Earth Day. Goes green. Look at that. What a guy. What a topical gentleman Mr. Brooks is. I think he even said something in one of his tweets. Someone um, mocked up an edit for him just with some Michigan State stuff. And I think he even tweeted out like, ah, on Earth Day, I'm going green or something like that. But tweeted out a nice video uh, announcing his commitment, which based on crystal balls and anyone you talk to seemed like uh, was pretty in the bag despite having to wait for the official word, but Pierre Brooks is the first 2021 recruit for Michigan State in basketball, Matt. And you wanted to talk about uh, this from like a philosophical thing, uh, idea, right? Uh, how Michigan State has kind of tweaked their approach to recruiting. Yeah, of course. And it's no secret that MSU has tried uh, their hand at getting top 10, top 15 guys. I mean, a lot of programs have for sure. Uh, MSU has gotten a few of those, but they've also missed out on a lot more. Am I missing out? You also miss out on a lot of guys that were ranked 30 to 100 that you probably could have got if you focused on them a tad more. Guys like Pierre Brooks, Mm -hmm. guys that'll stay around for three, four years have a high ceiling, and put MSU where it always is. In the tournament, squarely, Final Four, I, probably favorites in, in some regions some years. Um, mm-hmm. No better quote than this from Mike Garland, assistant coach who, yeah, knows a little bit about MSU and recruiting than any of us do, Will. So it's very telling when he says, quote, what we've done is we've gone back to recruiting like we used to, going back to being who we are. And he put emphasis on the OKGs. That quote is from a column by Graham Couch, LSJ. I just wanted to credit that really quick. But yeah, I mean, really, that's just one quote. It's a very long piece, but that is the one quote that sticks out. Like they're getting their guys, they're getting their guys thirty to hundred that are going to be around three, four years, and that have a high ceiling that could take MSU places. And why not? This seems to work. It has always it seemed to work at MSU. Yeah, yeah. there's, uh, and that's something. OKGs are kind of guys. Is, is Dave Klein mentioned this yesterday? Um, you get a talented but needs some work guy who is not one and done, but three and in. in in whatever, three and four years. And there's multiple ways to, I guess, skin a cat, to use an old term, multiple ways to get the job done in college basketball. We've seen teams uh, led by freshmen, Anthony Davis, Julio Okafor, Tyus Jones, or, was, yeah, was it Tyus Jones? Mm-hmm, yep. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Julio Okafor, Tyus Jones. We've seen teams like that win the national title. We've seen a mix of that with the North Carolina teams have had some one and done, but also two, three, four year guys win the national title. We've seen uh, Villanova that had a little bit more um, of the junior senior impact on their teams when there's multiple ways to win in college basketball. It is like college football. It's like you got to get the most talent you can and everyone's staying. So whoever gets the most talent and develop them. And in three, four years, you hope you're good. But in college basketball, because the high end talent leaves so quickly, mm-hmm. you can absolutely win huge by recruiting that next tier of guys that are really good, but potential pro pos- pro prospects instead of like legit 
one and done pro prospects and you can develop them and then you're playing with 20 21 year olds against 18 19 year olds and they're just as good and have the same type of NFL or NBA upside um, by that point and you're you're cooking and Michigan State has done it that way forever and they will continue to try to mix in some one and dones uh, like they have with Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges and Gary Harris even though those two guys stayed they were certainly top end recruits that could have left after one year uh, and that's that's the plan and I, I I don't see what's wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it Matt. No, and yeah, the one and done thing is pretty cool, but also, yeah, just like you were saying, it can snake bite you. It's the reason why Kentucky and Duke haven't been to a Final Four in five years, which is not bad. I mean, to go to Final Four once every five years is pretty solid, but man, mm-hmm. with that talent they had on the team, you look at the team with Zion, you look at all of Kentucky's teams, it's like, wow, it's a lot of talent. How did you not get to the Final Four? Well, you kind of run you out of guys that are there for three, four years. That's yeah. kind of yeah. what's happening. They so and it's a good strategy. A they ran into a bunch of juniors and seniors is yeah. what happened. Yeah. Um, and that can make the difference in a tightly contested single elimination game. Sometimes that edge and experience can win out over superior talent. We see it happen all the time. Now, real quick before we transition to the NFL draft stuff, I have some things to say about the crystal balls on uh, Pierre Brooks. Oh, do you know? Oh, no. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. Pierre Brooks has 11 crystal balls. They're all Michigan State, right? Mortal his, lock, yes. Mortal lock. 4-22 was his commitment date. I just want to say, like, okay, so we've got, here's the date. Sean Shearer, who's 24-7, uh, one of their, their guys, uh, August 7th, 2019, locked it in. Riley Gates of 24-7, August 7th, 2019. Something happened on August 7th. Jerry Meyer, uh, Jerry Meyer, excuse me, August 27th. So, all three of those locked in Michigan State a while ago. Mm-hmm. Then you've got on Monday when it was announced like, hey, I'm not doing a top seven. I'm just committing. Um, some other people, Evan Daniels, Brian Snow, Brooksy got in there, John uh, Henschke, uh, who does uh, the Michigan Insider, you know, a handful of guys doing that. I have some words to say for three people, Matt. Who are those three? I'm very excited for this. <laughs> they are... Chad Likens, okay. Steve Newhouse, and Sam Webb. I will email all three of them. Yes, all right. All three of them, the morning of Pierre Brooks's commitment, after eight of their colleagues, including multiple national recruiting analysts who don't predict <laughs> things unless it's going to be right. Right, yeah. All put in predictions like two days prior. So you've got a slew of predictions the day before he announces and the day before that. So two days before he announces, you've got five, six people putting in Michigan State. All right, that means in the recruiting world, Michigan State is 100% the choice. I'm going to get myself another notch on my accuracy crystal yeah. ball predictions. Like, it's like, that's that's what they did. They're like, ah, yeah, mm-hmm. Michigan State. Like, they're not plugged in. They didn't really know. Like, maybe, but they all saw that and were like, pfft. I'm going to throw a Michigan State prediction in there because I know I'm going to get it right. Yeah, ride the wind. I mean, it's like when a little kid walks by a TV that has a game on and it's a 30-point game with 50 seconds to go. They're like, I'm rooting for that team. Yeah, heck yeah, I want to feel good. So give me me those guys. (laughs) That is exactly what happened here. I was laughing like, so... he he, Pierre Brooks is like, okay, I'm going to announce on Wednesday. And then you go and you look and you see, okay... All these new predictions are coming in for Michigan State. Those are legit. Those are people like, hey, what's the move? Okay, got it. And that those come in. But then two days later, an hour before he announces, 
logging in and clicking a crystal ball prediction like it means anything. I got a problem with it, Matt. Uh, I love the chase, baby. <laughs> love the crystal ball chase. All right. We're going to pause here. We're done with the Pierre Brooks talk. We're going to come back from break with Andrew Harbaugh from Coast to Coast Scouting. Um, and we're going to talk to him about uh, all the Michigan State prospects coming up in the NFL draft. We'll do that here in just a minute. All right, we are excited to be joined now by Andrew Harbaugh. We were joking with him. We almost didn't let him on the podcast because of his last name, but we got over it. Uh, Andrew works for Coast to Coast Scouting. That's ccscouting.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mandrew NFL Draft. That is Mandrew NFL Draft, which Matt and I both enjoyed when we found your uh, Twitter handle there. Uh, but you, Andrew, are an NFL draft writer. Uh, you call yourself kind of a, a big uh, draft nerd excited for the NFL draft for coast to coast scouting. Uh, first, thanks for making some time for us. How you doing? I'm doing great guys. Yeah. It's our four put it on Twitter today and it hit the nail on the head. This is our Christmas Eve for draft guys. And I think more so than past years with everything going on, I think mm-hmm. this draft has the potential to be huge just because it's going to be a nice three-day distraction for everybody. <laughs> we are Matt and I were joking. We do a daily show, and sometimes it gets hard to figure out what we're going to talk about with Michigan State stuff. But like, we were clamoring for Roger Goodell in his basement like two days ago. Like, let's get this thing here uh, before we jump into the players real quick for Michigan State. Um, do you think I, I just that that uh, intro made me think um, like, do you think this is going to be a crazier draft than normal? Or I've heard some people say like, yeah, the mock drafts are all way off. And like, just because the traveling, the meetings, it's all been so different. Do you think this is just going to be like some more drama than we're used to with the NFL draft? I, I definitely think and today really is, you know, this of it all with the smoke screens. Like I feel yeah. like this year more than any, Teams are really trying to capitalize on, okay, so so and so is not with each other. Like Brandon Bean's not with McDermott, and Dave Gelbman's by himself with his post-it notes and <laughs> his big binder. And it's one of those things where I just and like Jerry Judy's knee came up today out of literally nowhere. I have not heard that once from anybody for the whole year. And I really think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be beautiful chaos for us as fans, but I feel like I would not want to be in a war room this year if I was an NFL GM. They're going to be earning their money. Um, Let's start with uh, some Michigan State players. I want to start with Josiah Scott. Um, So I've got your big board up here. You've got 200 people on it, and I could not find Josiah Scott on it. And opinions on him are really varied, and I find it interesting, like, for some people, he's Michigan State's number one prospect in this draft, which surprised me when I heard that. And then for some other people, he's a sixth, seventh round type player. Uh, you seem to be falling in the category of having him a little bit later uh, in the draft if he's getting drafted. What are your thoughts on Josiah? Why did you sort of come in below the consensus there? I will say he's at um, around the, if I'm remembering right, I don't have it up in front of me. Um, I want to say he's in like the two teams. Okay. So he wasn't too far off from making it. Um, I definitely think he's going to have a spot, even if it's just as a special teams guy or a fill-in nickel type at the next level. I think he's going to be one of those day three picks where um, you're going through a Monday night or a Sunday night lineup where they're going through everybody. And I think seeing Josiah Scott in the starting lineup is something you see. I just think with 
the way this draft season's gone on, um, I think a lot of the guys that are fledging day two, day three guys are really going to fall. And I think um, Josiah Scott's one of them. I really like his like his length, even for being the five eight and everything. He just plays long. Uh, Dane Jackson does that as well, which I like with him. Um, I would say one thing for Scott is the tackling. I wish was a little bit better, but not saying he's in the same boat. But C.J. Henderson doesn't really tackle that well either. But a mm-hmm. lot of teams are ever looking at. So, but like you said, Scott can really be a, a late day two guy, early day three, or he could uh, he it could be all over the place. So yeah, uh, and I think honestly that's the case with a lot of these Michigan State guys this year. Yes. I was just going to say, because I think one of the biggest storylines for MSU fans is, will there be a guy taken day two in that second or third round? And one of those guys right on the cusp, uh, especially on your big board as well at number 87 is Kenny Willickis. Now, us state fans, we obviously love him. He was a lot of fun to watch play. But from a draft standpoint, what do you guys like about him and what kind of you don't like about him that would have him maybe going into the third day? I wish he was a little bit more explosive at times. Um, and I wish he'd be able to kind of like hold his own a little bit more. Uh, because there's times where, um, like 2008 tape of him, he was absolutely owning several games. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be a top five edge. And then there's times where I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to find him here and where's he going? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not to rub salt in the wound, I feel like that it sums up Michigan State season as a whole. When you guys were on, you were great. But then there was times where it was like, I can only imagine how much hair you guys lost during the year. But All of it. Kiss, though, All of it. Like, <laughs> um, but for me, though, with Willikis, what I love about him is I think with today's NFL, everyone focuses on the quarterbacks and how you stop the quarterbacks and with the running backs as well. I think Willikis has um, the lateral quickness better than a lot of other edge guys. And I think he has the ability to be a – hands in the dirt uh, 4-3 end, or I think he could be a stand-up linebacker in a 3-4, which that flexibility alone, I think, really keeps him around on day two for anybody to really pick him and kind of be a plug-and-play starter on day one. Um, I try not to come up with comps too much, but I feel like what we saw from NFL Max Crosby this year, I think, is something that Kenny Willekes could also come in and do right away. And that that stand-up outside 3-4, we saw him work a little bit at the Senior Bowl. A lot of Michigan State right. fans are also Lions fans, so there was certainly some crossover interest there in the, the hybrid 3-4 and all that. So we did see that, and that is something he has talked about. Uh, moving back a little bit on the defense behind Cass, uh, I want to ask about Joe Bocci because uh, he was a, a fantastically productive player at Michigan State, but Michigan State has – a decent track record of producing these really smart middle linebackers who just don't quite stack up athletically once they get to the next level. And they just kind of, you give them a shot and yeah, they're just kind of first, second down run thumpers and they can't really stick around for a while. And so I'm not, you know, there's some talk that Bocce's a little bit like that. I think he's got a little more athleticism than a Max Bulla type. You seem to really like Bocce. What is it you like about him? Uh, and what do you think? we could see for him in terms of a range of draft outcomes? I think and he's another one. I think he could be a day two guy. I mean, if I were a GM, I would be willing to risk a day two pick on him, probably a third rounder. Um, I would say though, he probably falls more in line with a late third, early fourth guy. Like he's going to be one of those guys where when we're 
doing our post show on day two. If he's still there, he'll be at the top of my board probably like a day three guy. Um, mm-hmm. But what I love about Bocce is I, I think he can play from day one. I think that any team can plug him in and he could be a mic right away. Um, he definitely was a leader on that Michigan State uh, defense. And for me personally, I just I did a podcast this week for um, two Green Browns podcasts out of Ireland. And um, I was saying how I'm a Browns fan myself. And with mm. Christian Coxie gone and Joe Schobert gone, why not bring the Ohio kid in while Cincinnati's bringing their own Ohio kid in, hopefully, <laughs> and bring our own in Bocce. And I, I think he could start day one in that defense. And yeah, like he talked about, the range isn't necessarily there. But that's something that you can develop. And like, if there's one thing, natural born leadership is a trait that you can't really teach. And he's going to own the linebacker room. But if you need him to develop that zone ability and kind of better sideline to sideline speed, I think that's definitely something you can work on if you're Cleveland and any other team. Honestly, I I love my two favorite prospects. We just talked about Willikis and then Bocce for me. I absolutely love. We will be right back with more from. Andrew Harbaugh in just a minute. And just to stick with the late third round, early fourth round theme that we seem to have going on, um, Raekwon Williams is also one of those guys in the big board that you have at 94, which would tab him right around day two or day three. What about Raekwon would keep him going in the third round and what would push him to maybe going in the fourth or later rounds, in your opinion? I, w- I would say if anything's going to get him in the third round into the motor, um, I would say honestly opposite. Willikis on that defensive front, those two really uh, were the driving force and the two pistons, if we're going to talk about motors and get technical, <laughs> um, of that defensive front. And I think if there's one thing to get him to day three, it's kind of like the same thing with Bocce, where he just needs a little bit of polish, and I think he could be um, a plug-and-play defensive tackle. I probably wouldn't put him as a nose, um, but I think his pass rush ability is enough to where it can kind of entice the team to maybe be like, okay, hey – it's the end of day day two, round three we're at. And I think Raycon Williams would be a fun plug-and-play starter for our defense. And that's the thing. With that Michigan State defense, you've got three of those guys that can come in, I think, really to almost any team. And even if Williams isn't a plug-and-play starter, he definitely would be able to earn a lot of reps on a rotation for a team. Gotcha. And he is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking of intangible things, like you mentioned with Bocce, uh, Raquan is it's hard to get, more beloved than Raekwon was uh, with that team. So I'm sure, uh, excuse me, my voice is giving out on me. I'm sure uh, teams in the NFL are aware of that. So that is always something that can help push a guy up a board. Um, I want to ask you uh, about the quarterback, Brian Lewerke. Uh, We always like talking about quarterbacks in the NFL draft, asking about them. And he is somebody whose college journey in terms of draft stock has been all over the place. And it kind of seems like it's settled in as seventh round slash priority free agent as we are, you know, getting ready for the first round of the NFL draft. What have you seen from Lewerke on tape? What is, you know, preventing him from being a, a you know, a solid for sure going to get drafted? Uh, you know, what does he have to improve on? Just where is he at right now for you? I really think Lewerke just really wasn't used to his potential and I think a lot of it too was I think the injuries limited his potential as well Mm -hmm. um a lot of teams take the approach of if he's injured in college he's going to be injured in the pros and um, we're seeing that with quarterbacks now um in the NFL so that's a big concern but I would say for what Lewerke has going for him the mechanics are there like he can honestly he'd be one of those guys that'll light up a preseason game I think and then kind of get the gears going on teams be like okay hey we got to 
watch this guy, maybe try to pull something down the road for him. Who knows? Um, I think he'd be a fine backup for a lot of teams. Um, I think the biggest thing is, like I said, the injuries, the inconsistency. Um, I think that's really hampered him more than anything. I mean, um, last year I, I was very up and down on him, and I was very happy he stayed because I was like, well, maybe he'll be healthy for 2019. But the whole team, I just don't think there was a lot around him play calling wise that really was giving him favors. Like, mm-hmm. Lewerke, and no offense to the offense, Lewerke shouldn't be doing his own reads and make that look like his best thing. <laughs> like, you want him to be able to be passing. And it's one of those things where in that, um, I think it was the Red Fox Bowl with Oregon, like, that was a defensive showcase. And that defense for Oregon wasn't anything too great either. I feel like if you would have let Lewerke throw it out to Stewart and everybody else, I think he might have had seen a little bit more on tape that would have enticed teams. But I definitely think the priority free agents where he's going to land. Quarterbacks always get scooped up, mm-hmm. um, even if it's just a camp arm. Not saying that's what Lewerke would be. But I'm just saying he's definitely going to have a shot somewhere. You are, uh, sorry, Matt, you're preaching to the choir. I chart games and stuff like that and, and go in depth uh, on the offense a lot. And, oh, man, buddy, you have no idea how frustrating it is to uh, want the Michigan State offense to succeed at times. But hopefully things have turned the corner here with the new regime. Go ahead, Matt. No, thanks for bringing up the Red Box Bowl. I wasn't going <laughs> to drink tonight, but now I have no other choice but to crack the cabinet open tonight. Um. I'm going to have to just plead ignorance here, honestly. Uh, I like the NFL, don't get me wrong, but I'm nowhere near a draft expert that you are. So when I cracked open a few mock drafts in your big board especially, I like David Dahl a lot. I thought he was great at state. I just didn't expect to see him in mock drafts or on the big board. What, what is it about David Dahl um, that, that you seem to like and has him at the big board at 163? I, I did like him as I, – I did notice that I was one of the very few people that had much about him – for draft coverage. I think with Dahl, I like his size as a safety. Um, he played a lot of games, 13, uh, played full seasons the last three years. And mm-hmm. I think with that Michigan State defense, obviously the front gets a lot of talk. Um, but I think in coverage with that 6-1 frame and the arms and everything, I think there's enough there to where teams at least can have a special teams player. And that's something I've really learned this year with going to the Senior Bowl and talking with guys like Matt Miller and uh, Kyle Krabs and different people that – if I'm not high on a prospect, that doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't have a place. Like, I, you see guys like Matthew Slater that are by no means anything fantastic in the passing game, but he earns a spot where he can be a part of the special teams, and I think that's where Dow would find a role. And I think he could be like a leader of a special teams group and get a guy in the right system there with the right special teams coach, and he might even develop into something more. I just like him as a project, as a safety, and obviously a special teams role. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's where you grab those guys for sure. Uh, last thing here, just kind of kind of tidy up. Is there anyone else from Michigan State that uh, you've looked at extensively? Think could have a shot to you know be a priority free agent, latch onto a roster, make a practice squad. Anyone else? Um, you know, we've got like Mike Panashuk, Cody White, Daryl Stewart, or some of the names. Any of those guys? Um, that you have, you know, any strong opinions on? I would say Daryl Stewart's another one I like where um, he's not going to burn you and he's not going to have the biggest route tree for teams if you're mapping that out. But if you watch his Ohio State game from, I think it was this year, Mm -hmm. um, 
you talk about letting Malarkey swing it. I mean, he has a fantastic deep ball in double coverage that he comes down with. So the hands are there, the concentration's there. Um, I definitely think he could kind of earn a role as a late. He's not going to be obviously a day two pick, um, but I think he could be a back end of day three guy. I mean, you saw what Darius Slayton was for the Giants this year. I'm not saying necessarily get that same type of production, but I think he could be a surprise team, uh, a surprise a team with being a late day three pick, but earning the reps and going through everything and um, kind of serve that deep threat role to where, like I said, he has the concentration in the hands and he's able to get by guys. And like I said, that Ohio State play was what really stuck out to me and I keep going back to. So, um, again, the right team and everything, I think he could definitely find a role and get some reps and get some targets from an offense. Fantastic. He is Andrew Harbaugh at Mandrew NFL Draft on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Coast to Coast Scouting as well at CC Scouting on Twitter and then ccscouting.com. Uh, I was just clicking through your guys' site. Um, you had a bunch of people doing mock drafts, big boards, positional rankings, draft guides, all sorts of stuff. Uh, really good work uh, from you guys there. That's ccscouting.com. Andrew, thanks so much uh, for the insight, the information, and for making some time for us. Uh, have fun. It is it is your Christmas day. Have fun. Enjoy the weekend. I will. I mean, in true draft day fashion, based off the movies, I've already got my pancakes ready for tomorrow morning. So <laughs> I, I'm good to go. Love it. <laughs> Fantastic. Take care, man. All right. Thanks so much again to Andrew for joining us uh, on the show. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I don't think we're going to have any Michigan State draft things to talk about, Matt. It, it, we would definitely fill a show if something did happen, though. Yeah, <laughs> don't think anyone's gonna go uh, in the first round, but I, you know, what I'm not even gonna say crazier things have happened because that would be absolutely I don't know if absurd. They have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if they have. That's, yeah, that is even too much um, for me. So we'll continue with some NFL draft stuff. Maybe we'll talk about. Something interesting that happened. Give our reaction to uh, the first night of the draft. I'm sure there will be something noteworthy, right? You would think, right? A thousand percent, yes. Yeah, so we'll see uh, what happens there. Um, And we can dive more into some listener questions and just kind of get us into the weekend and maybe preview the weekend a little bit um, with the NFL draft. And if there's any word of so-and-so could be getting drafted soon or, or what have you, so... That's the plan for the last show of the week. Thanks so much for listening today. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked on Spartans wherever you get your podcasts. Matt, take us home. Come to think of it, if nothing does happen this draft, I feel like that'll be a major story. But hey, anyway, let's crack the beers open tonight. Let's have ourselves an early start to the weekend, gang. All right, go green.